Welcome to episode three of Picks or It Didn't Happen. I am the Yeti, and with me as always is the Jew. It's 419, y'all. Anybody got a minute? of 420 it's a perfect time to do part two of our piece on the cottonmouth kings the fall of the crown not good it's not so when we left off we were talking about fired up and you know the next album after that was dropped in 2005 and that was the self-titled cottonmouth kings album I can honestly tell you I really began to dislike their music at this point. Um, this was probably, I'm going to say, one of the last albums I would say that was exceptional. Um, I really dug a lot of tracks on here. Uh, my favorite one was Peace of Mind. I got to go with Put It Down featuring Cypress Hill. And I'm going to tell you there's a trend that starts. My my favorite tracks are usually featuring tracks. Yeah, and it definitely becomes tougher as we go. So uh, the, the album after that uh, was 2006. Coast to Coast came out. And Jew, what was your favorite track on that one? I mean, Where's the Weed At was acceptable. Right, yeah. It's when we say these are, you know, our favorite track. A lot of times, it's tough to pick a favorite track Um, on on this album. Honestly, I couldn't even come up with a favorite. Um, They're just I didn't listen to it. I didn't hate this album. I just there wasn't a track that stood out to me that was really a great track. I guess we'll move into two thousand nine. Cloud nine. City to city. Yeah, that came out in like 2007 though so maybe we go back to 2007 yeah you got me there my bad <laughs> cloud nine comes out in 2007 city to city my favorite track once again featuring none other than tech nine and big chris calico and i again didn't have really a favorite city to city was a standout on the album featuring featuring of course and they had another featuring track and you know I wanted it to be good. I really did. And you know, Hold on, hold on. We're not going to turn this into an ICP hate spot. No, not at all, not at all. And it's not about that. It's just, it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted. I just, I wasn't a fan of that track. And it's Think For Yourself. Just did, I, I think it was the hook, honestly. I don't even think it had to do with the clowns at all. I barely remember the song. You couldn't play it for me and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't know it. <laughs> well... I think that pretty much sums up the album overall. After that was the Green Album in 2008, 2009, right in that, you know, the tail end of 2008. Now we're up to what I said before. Right, yeah. Now we're we're where he was talking about. So the Green Album actually featured a track with the dirt ball on it, which 
was kind of his intro. His in, official introduction as a Cottonmouth King? It, like, sort of like, yeah, he's here. Um, that album actually, that was a, another album that came out while I was deployed. And it's, I just thought it was so odd that I was able to walk into a PX that the government owns or a contractor or whatever all these soldiers and people are going in here and there's a Cottonmouth King CD just chilling on the shelf. It was kind of weird. So kind of what you're saying is that the government got some tax money off of some weed in that situation. They were definitely trying because, I mean, they got my money. So they were definitely doing what they do. Well, this one comes to me and I referenced this before in episode two when we first began talking about the Kings. Throwback, y'all. Uh, first off, I don't have a favorite album on this track, but this was my first time going and seeing the Cottonmouth Kings live. Uh, I gathered up two friends of mine. I'm going to give you aliases to keep their names out there by the names of Moose and Fresh. Now, we decided that we were going to smoke through the entire show. This was at Bogarts, by the way, in lovely downtown Cincinnati. Anyway, so again, back to the topic, we were going to smoke through every part of the show we made it through the first opener we made it through the second opener watching them get booed off the stage for trying to talk shit about juggalos in a juggalo town it was really funny but so here we are the kings are about to go on stage we have seriously been smoking tough from top to bottom and the whole point of the being there is is happening the cottonmouth kings are coming on stage i go to light the fifth joint of the night and i feel a big security hand snatch me on my shoulder and if y'all know me you know i'm big this motherfucker was a shaved gorilla he gave me the look of i better get my ass out of there now and i said well can i at least stop by the merch booth and you know buy a shirt or something and he was definitely not having it uh definitely told me i don't give a fuck what money you want to spend you're getting the fuck out now And I noticed that my friend Fresh had also been kicked out of the Cottonmouth Kings concert for getting high. Gotta love the fucking irony. But, as it goes, we're out there. Me, Fresh, maybe ten other people, unlucky souls who got snatched up by security. One of the Kings member staff got a picture of us all flipping off Bogarts, which felt cool to me. But... Me knowing Bogart's like the back of my hand, I snuck my ass to the other side where the buses are at, where everybody's coming out after the show, and first I seen Lou Dog, and I tried to explain to him what happened, and he was too busy trying to front for bitches, so I knew I had nothing there, but then out of the corner of my eye, I noticed a one Johnny Richter. I rolled up. I said, Richter, man, they kicked me and my homie out for getting high at your fucking show. He looked at me. He said, you should probably go talk to X. So that's exactly what I did. I walked up to Brad Daddy X, humble as I could, trying not to seem like a hound dog. And I said, bro, they kicked us out of your show for getting high. And he comes back with, how would you like three free tickets to the Louisville show the next night? Find a way to make the shittiest fucking event possible turn into a fucking fresh ass end to the night. Also, I gotta add, for some reason, since they snatched up me and Fresh, they were too busy to find Moose, who stayed smoking through the whole fucking show. Bravo, Bogart security. (laughs) Well, you know, that is probably the most fucked up thing I've ever heard in my life. It was, a, it was a treat. I wish I still had the autographed ticket, but you lose things as you get older. 
Yeah, like um, every fucking thing. Uh, <laughs> speaking of fuck everything, the uh, 2010 brought us Long Live the Kings. Fuck this album. Fuck it long and fuck it hard. Like this, I just I I hate this album. It there, there was one track featuring uh, Tech Nine, Party Monsters. It was a serviceable track. That's even giving it credit. That's giving it more credit than it deserves. I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely, it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we'll move forward. Uh, Sunrise Sessions came out in 2011. Um, that this album here, I actually like this one a lot more. Um, just because of the sound that it had, it kind of had that reggae sound where it was more mellow and it just felt kind of like they were sort of returning while still growing and I really enjoyed it. And my favorite <laughs> my favorite uh, track on this one was uh, She's Dangerous. And the Jew, his favorite track was, guess what? It's a featuring. Down for Life featuring Head P.E., who I'm all the fuck about. And if they're on it, I'm going to listen to it. So here we go again with that whole... That trend, man, just it, at some point it stopped being about them. After we had the Sunrise Sessions, um, we get to 2012. 2012 begins a massive, massive downfall trend. We lose a one Pakalika to the a tragic death of an asthma attack. Yeah, a, a fucking asthma attack. And, like, he's dealt with this his whole life. Like, he never could have expected that that was what's going to take him down, really. I mean... The article we read said they tried to revive him five times before he flatlined on the way to the hospital. Or he flatlined five times, rather. Like, And they br- tried to bring him back and just, like, it was a no-go. Um, and the... It's... I don't know your opinions, maybe, Jew. Um... They released Mile High three days after he died. I, I mean, it kind of feels like a fuck you in and of itself. Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts, what I was thinking about that. I mean, three days. What else are we supposed to say about this other than that, that you know, maybe you should have been paying attention to the fact that somebody who you called a lifelong friend just passed away. Right. And with all of this, we get into, you know, they didn't go to the memorial service. Because it was thrown by their manager, Kevin Zinger, that they were having this huge fallout with. That's that's not the, the word fallout doesn't sum this up. This was this was a civil war in house at Subnoise Records. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was. It was much more than that. Split uh, right down the middle. Yeah. And it, when we were researching this whole thing, like all you would really get was like individual people's version of what happened. And it wasn't anything that was like coherent it was just it was, it was shit slinging it was a lot of he said she said shit honestly yeah so we may never know what all went down with these guys but what we do know is that 2013 when johnny richter left this started the revolving door policy of members of the band yeah yeah tax man he's gone because you know he was close friends with kevin zinger so that line's been drawn. You're gone. Claimed in big words that X and Luke, Lou Dog and Bobby B were only out for money and they didn't give a shit about the music. And there were big accusations flung around by Potluck that Brad Daddy X doesn't even smoke weed. Which, you know, whatever. 
you don't if that's not your thing cool but like potluck had said i thought was a good point if you're gonna be out here on the road touring throwing up them kmks saying you smoke all the time and you always party maybe you should smoke all the time at least once i mean something what they say three months yeah three months yeah so to me that was like that's kind of messed up but again we can't we don't we're not gonna we can't verify any of that he maybe he did i don't know johnny richter leaves under a, a large uh shadow of drugs and uh apparently a heroin addiction yeah yeah there was lots of uh accusations of drugs richter of course his side denies it says he you know he did admit to messing around with some stuff but denied you know any kind of hard drugs where you would inject or anything like that he but again that it's he said she said and that's the that's the really shitty part because you know it doesn't really resolve anything for anybody and on top of that you know we nobody gets answers we don't know what really happened we don't know what caused any of the drama to happen um but that was sort of a, led to a couple of bad years there where everything's going south um they came back after all that in 2015 and recorded uh, Crown Power. And I never listened to this album. I I also never listened to this album. It's easy to state at this point that I've had a complete falling out with the Kings. And really, their music meant nothing to me at that point. Yeah. Um, and the big deal with um, Crown Power, actually, is there was no Richter on the album. So this was the first official, official, no Johnny Richter on a Cottonmouth Kings album. Yeah, and, you know, there's no D- DJ Bobby B. He decided not to come back after everything happened. Um, so you've lost a lot of your main guys now. I mean, the the main strength of your lyrics and your beats. Come on now. I mean, it is music. It's kind of important. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. And the thing is, after that album they went on a hiatus again for three years or was something. this right around the time that whole free the kings movement kind of started yeah all that was going on and they they were gone on hiatus and ludog decided he, he's still on hiatus he, he, he just has washed his hands of the whole thing yeah um after the hiatus ended um in 2017 2018 they released an album under cottonmouth kings called kingdom come but it wasn't released through typical means it wasn't on sub noise this was this was the first kingmaker release wasn't it it was a kingmaker release and they called it a cottonmouth king album but there was no x there's no dirtball there's no richter there's no bobby b there's there's nobody it's that's a king spade album y'all it's it is it's a king spade album however you want to call it and i mean that's what we've got they're going they're going on tour now, and I'll, I'm going to try to catch the local show in my backyard. Because it's 20 minutes away, and Boondocks is on the bill. Yeah, and I'm guaranteed to get some awesome shots because there's no barricade at the show, so that's pretty awesome. And that's kind of the point of us doing this is, you know, the whole picks thing. Right, right. Um, so we're probably going to go try to check that out, and I don't think it's ever going to happen as much as I would love for the Kings to come back and be relevant and important and be the Kings. 
I remain completely unoptimistic. I don't believe there will be this rebirth that they're hoping for. It's it's been too long. Your time has come. The the part of you that has matured as artists is undercut with drugs and nobody really wants to hear you guys anymore. Sorry. It's sad to say it, but yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, with Suburban Noise being one of the three major players of the early years of my underground life. Same here. Is I think that pillar has pretty well decayed and it's not standing anymore. There there is no more Suburban Noise Records, is there? I yeah, I don't I'm not sure what their legal status fully is, but I yeah, I'm pretty sure there's something with licensing and a bunch of legal shit. So whatever Cottonmouth Kings or the Kingspade or whoever they're wanting or whatever label they're on, that's no more. The magic is gone. It is. It's gone. So one day, maybe, hopefully, we can write about their full rebirth, but don't look for that to be dropping anytime soon. All right. So that is the wrap on that. And Jew is looking at me like he is kind of pissed off about something. So what do you got, Jew? Well, I'd like to talk about the Raw and SmackDown Superstar Shakeup and what I hated about it and the few things that I kind of enjoyed. So here it goes. We'll start off. The superstars who have made the jump to Raw. Top of the list is AJ Styles. This is great because AJ gets new waters and, you know, it's a chance to see him go against Seth Rollins and all the other guys on Raw. So, you know, we, we want that. We want these these dream matches that can happen. The Miz, I don't really give a fuck. Uh, Ricochet and Aleister Black have uh, made their uh, home on Raw. They've been bouncing forth, back and forth between SmackDown and Raw for a couple weeks now. I got a, qu- I got a question for you, though. Would you fight the Miz's dad? <laughs> that fucking potato-headed looking <laughs> motherfucker. You, you gotta admit, Shane McMahon is having a whole lot of fun just roasting Miz's dad. And the memes on Walmart featuring Miz's dad have been the highlight of like the last three weeks. <laughs> but now I'm gonna get into something that is really, really fucking just, just, just eating me alive. I've been a fan of indie wrestling for a long time. And I got into a... I got into a love of a team by the name of War Machine. This is featuring Ray Death Row and Warbeard Hansen. Now, they've been killing shit on the indies for several years, and they finally got their NXT call-up, and after having two of the best matches all fucking year in in the tag division on NXT, by, going by the name War Raiders, which is a change from War Machine, but I get it. You change it because you want to make money off of it. You got to trademark shit, blah, blah. They, you don't want them to be able to leave with a name that they have. After these two amazing matches and just building up a great repertoire with the fans, they've got their main roster call up to Raw under the name The Viking Experience. The Viking Experience. Should we start calling this podcast the you and the Jew and Yeti experience? No, no, we shouldn't because it sounds fucking dumb. And whatever <laughs> writer at WWE who thought it was a great idea to call them this is as well fucking dumb. And I understand. I get your reasoning. You don't want the word war to be in the title because you're trying to be a family friendly company. Cool. I'm down with that. How about Sons of Odin? 
descendants of Ragnar, since you wanted to ride that fucking Vikings History Channel vibe, you changed their names to Eric and Ivar. People know that they have real names. Yeah, and we want horn helmets. No, no, we don't want horn helmets. Don't give them any more of this. I've got to move on or I'm going to waste all my time right here. Uh, the next one is Andrade and Selena Vega. They're a package deal. I'm okay with that. Rey Mysterio, I'm okay with that. Jimmy and Jay Uso. This is something I'm very happy about because they will eventually go up against the Viking experience. And <laughs> e- even though this name is horrible and this gimmick is dead in the water, I'm really, really hoping that they'll they'll shine. Their gimmick, that they can get over past this because their, their strength in the ring is, is too good. I have one more thing I gotta ask though. Are you gonna let them cut promos, or were you supposed to pretend like they literally thawed these fuckers out of ice? Are they gonna get a manager to speak for them? They were gonna call them the Berserkers. Well, maybe they'll just like fucking grunt and mumble, and like mumble kids will like it or something. That's kind of what's happened so far. But I digress. Naomi is a package deal with the Usos. EC3. I mean, who fucking cares? Lacey Evans. I could say who fucking cares, but she threw a devastating moonsault. Uh, which I didn't know her ass had. Eric Young, the splitting of sanity. I'm not cool with this. Not cool with this at all. Great team. Should have let them shine a little bit on the main roster, but nope, didn't happen. And then Cedric Alexander is being removed from 205 Live, and he is being placed on Raw. So I guess... um... (laughs) Oh, shit. Jew's phone just decided to ring. I mean, the girlfriend calls in the middle of the fucking show. What am I supposed to do? But I'm going to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, we move on to the SmackDown portion of this. And um, we're going to call the start of it Finn Balor, the Intercontinental Champion. I'm cool with this. I like the idea of Finn moving to SmackDown. Um, I don't really care about Elias moving to SmackDown. Bailey and Ember Moon, that's okay. Kyrie Sane, I'm cool. Lars Sullivan is officially on SmackDown, so he's made his home. That dude went through some shit, supposedly had a, a lot of anxiety issues about performing in front of a bunch of people, but, you know, that's how it goes. Buddy Murphy, who was the centerpiece of 205 Live, is just killing it now. Had a great match with Dream on NXT. Um, Liv Morgan, that means the Riot Squad was split up. Again, kind of who cares. Uh, Chad Gable means that him and Bobby Roode are no longer a team, it appears. If I'm wrong about that, you can yell at me um, in the comments. I'd like to hear them. Uh, Apollo Crews, again, kind of who cares. Uh, Mickey James, also kind of who cares. Otis and Tucker, Heavy Machinery, they have they have potential. I kind of like how Otis, Otis Dovizovich's character is, that's hard to say, by the way, yeah. that his character yeah, his character is kind of like just Chris Farley. <laughs> um, no, wait, wait, wait. Chris Farley. Like, yeah, when they don't, when they actually let him talk, he kind of sounds like he's trying to channel the Matt Foley character. Hmm. He kind of has his ups and his downs, and I'm just waiting for him to start talking about a van down by the river. (laughs) Now, this is the big thing about the SmackDown part. Roman Reigns was the big call-up that was the biggest acquisition in the history of SmackDown. I said it'd be Brock Lesnar, but I was incorrect. It was Roman. Um, I'm okay for this because it moves Roman out of the Raw title picture, which is where I want him very far away from. Joe, I'm glad you beat cancer. I am enjoying where your character's going. I hope that this uptrend continues, but you are not allowed to be the one that takes the belt off of fucking Kofi Kingston. I'm, I'm stating this now. It, it can't happen. I might revolt in the streets. 
Really? That's a strong opinion against the guy. I, it's not him. It's his booking. But I don't want to turn this into a fuck Roman session. Uh, I like what they've done with a lot of the women's division. They're making... Uh, with the fact that Becky has both belts, I love the idea that maybe they might make her pull double duty on fucking pay-per-views. So with all of that said, a lot of guys like me maybe didn't understand it, but hey, if we listen to this guy enough, we'll probably know something. So overall, what would you say your grade on the shakeup itself was? Solid C-. minus. There are parts that I like. I enjoy the dream match ideas of AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. Um, I like that Ricochet and Aleister Black have a home. I want them to split them up as a team, but that's here near, neither here nor there. But I feel like the Viking experience alone is enough to just say that this was one of the worst shakeups they've ever fucking had. And I'm going to stop bitching about the so main wait, roster. So you're grading on a curve then? Like everything's just drugged down because that happened. Absolutely. It's it's literally the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And they've done some dumb fucking shit. This beats the gobbledygooker, y'all. This this beats Doink the Clown. This is seriously just a complete disrespect to how talented these guys really fucking are. All right. Well, um, is there anything else that was going on in the wrestling world that you want to talk about today? NXT was actually lit like it always is. And if we're going to talk about the main roster, we might as well talk about the, the, the third brand. Um, we got to see a great match between Buddy Murphy and Velveteen Dream. I'm, I'm very, I'm very excited that Buddy Murphy is no longer being held down in 205 Live. It'd be great to see this kid just fucking fly. Best match of the night was him and Dream, honestly. Uh, we, we got a better, clearer picture of the world title scene with Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole. So it looks like Adam Cole, Bebe, will be the number one contender for Johnny's uh, NXT World Championship. And um, the women's picture still kind of sucks because Sharon Corbin, a.k.a. Uh, Shayna Baszler, still has the title. And it's it's just, it's stale. And they just pulled a lot of people out of it. NXT's got a lot of rebuilding to do. They're going to have to build a lot of stars because they just had a lot of their good names pulled out for this this, this superstar shakeup. Um, well, you know, for that program, though, isn't that kind of going to be a regular occurrence? Or you would hope that would be, right? I mean, isn't that the goal? It is. It is. when Okay, when NXT was first brought in, I'm sure all of you listening to this already fucking know this, but I'm going to say it anyway for Paul because he doesn't. Why the fuck are you listening? But Paul doesn't know, so I'll give, I'll give a, little, a little information on this. The whole point of NXT is to be a feeder system into the main roster. They, right, they right. bring in guys who are untrained. They train them at their performance center, and they hopefully get over with the young crowd in, in, down in Florida and are good enough to make it to the main roster. I mean, they train them in the promo skills, the whole fucking thing. What it's become in the last four or five years is, hey, let's grab the hottest indie guy we can, maybe change his name up a little bit, and let's put him, you know, uh, out there for the fans to see. And it's it's worked. It really has worked. But this is where I believe the system fails. Every fucking time they call up one of these guys and they call him up red fucking hot, usually the weekend of WrestleMania or the Raw after. It's a big tradition of, hey, who's coming up? And... My friend Jay Roman said something to me, and and I I think it's kind of true. He said that um, it feels like every one of the main roster guys, or every one of the NXT guys, when they get their call up, they have to have like a year of nothing, a year of well, I'm I'm gonna say it humbling because they need to understand just because you've been good here and you've been good there means 
shit. We know we need to see you good here. And they strip down the best parts of them. They they boil them down to a couple moves that you only see on TV. And and it's like it's like you want them to fail. It's like you want them to not do well at all. And that just it seems, sounds like college hazing to me, kind of a little bit. And the, the thing is that the locker room isn't supposed to be full of that kind of shit anymore. And and it feels like I said, it just feels like forced obsolescence. You want these guys to not get over. You want to take the things about them that everyone loves and then end it. Uh, I don't really have anything else to talk about about wrestling. I've, I've kind of like sponged my markdom. Well, that's good because you were getting like red heated over there, man. I'm real passionate about this shit. I can't help it. I've been watching it since I was five. What am I supposed to do? And it's contagious as shit. Like, that's why I'm trying to learn this shit. So stick with us. We're going to learn a lot of cool, cool shit about wrestling and marking out and other slang terms that I haven't quite figured out yet. I will be your pro, pro wrestling Yoda, but you won't carry me on your back. No, no, sir. We will not. So I guess we should talk about some shit we both actually just watched recently. And that was surprisingly the animated series, the first season of the Trailer Park Boys cartoon. Yes, yes. Uh, I watched it because, well, I've watched every season of the Trailer Park Boys already. And I've watched most of them. Uh, and watch those and then enough know, to know who Ricky Julian and Bubbles are yeah, he's watched yeah uh, we all know the characters if you don't you're about to uh, these guys are friggin hilarious of course so with the animated series I was a little bit leery with the format change I kind of have my own theories on why they decided to go with the cartoon predominantly because they're getting older yeah yeah I mean we could all see that Julian put on a little bit of weight in those later seasons. So the cartoon oh, it gives it gives them the ability to not have to shoot on scene and they can just show up and their schedule is probably a whole lot easier now and they don't have to be located in any particular place for a couple months out of the year. Right, right. And I think it also gave them sort of the opportunity to keep the Leahy character around a little bit. Which, I, I got mixed feelings about this. I don't like the idea of forcing an actor to work even after he's done. It's kind of creepy. Just just want to say that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like that they were trying to do sort of a, a, maybe a tribute of sorts. And I hope they, you know, just let it go and sort of work that character out and just... He's not mentioned again in season two. That'd be really cool. Yeah, just work that out and just let it be. Other than that, though... The cartoon was fucking hilarious. Absolutely a laugh fucking riot. Light one up on 420 and watch this one, people. Binge that shit. It is fucking... They can do so much more because it's a cartoon. In a fucking Looney Tunes world, could you imagine the shit that Ricky could get away with? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to give anything away. Oh, fuck spoilers. Who cares? Motherfucker, they get to go to space, okay? Ricky grows space weed, y'all. Space weed, all right? So... That should be reason enough for you to go watch this show. I, I don't know. That tapeworm episode was definitely a fucking laugh riot. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, trying to part out fucking... Uh, Jacob. Yeah, Jacob. Like he was an old fucking Chrysler. Yeah, it's just so much more they can do. I'm sure it's easier on them. Just, I enjoyed it. The t- I was expecting not to, but... Overall, I actually did enjoy the show. I dug it, and hey, there was a cameo by the Queens of the Stone Age. If you give a shit about them at the end of the at the end of the series, that's right. There was yes, that that is true. Yeah, so you know, um, we watched it. 
We loved it. Season two. I hope they make one. I do hope there is a season two. And co- oh, oh, we forgot to even fucking mention the whole reason why they're in a cartoon world in the in the first place is evidently they ate three pounds of mushrooms. Right. Yeah. That's how this all sort of happened. They ate so mushrooms. So is that like a possibility? Because how many mushrooms do you have to eat to become a cartoon? Oh, bro, I need to find that fucking out. You let me know. Play it safe. Uh, the Before we get out of here today, we do want to say please like, share, subscribe, all that fucking internet shit comment. that everybody does. Comment. This guy really, really likes comments. I like arguing on the internet. It's fun. He likes to argue. I would love to say, you know, what's up and hang out and just chit chat. If you want to have a fight, hit up the Jew. Um, <laughs> also, you can check our podcast out on a wandering yeti.com you can also check it out on itunes it's finally, finally yeah fucking itunes yeah finally working itunes uh it took them like two days to email me that i was approved for that or whatever the hell it is that we're they not do. that offensive are we i don't not yet anyway give me time yes so again thank you guys all for listening to everything uh that we've been putting out thank you for checking out the show check out checking out the website um, it really means a lot to us. We are going to be at the 420 show. Um, and by the time this comes out, we'll actually be back. So this drive is going to suck. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long ass drive. We get to make that tomorrow. And on the next episode, we're going to talk all about the adventure that was the 420 show. Better have my sandwiches, bitch. Peace, y'all. <laughs>